Welcome to the teaching ministry of Faith Bible Church. We pray as you listen to the following message, you will be encouraged and equipped to passionately pursue Christ. For more information, please visit our website at fbcevansville.com. This is our 12th class, so that means this will probably be the last class of like new information. Next week we'll do kind of a high-level flyover of every single week and just kind of tie it all in together. So this week is going to be our last class. I'm going to play a clip like I have been the last few weeks uh, here in just a second. And with this clip, I found it, and I thought it was awesome. It's by Piper. You can find very few things that are not awesome by Piper. But it's a, a clip by Piper, and uh, it really ties in a past class where we talked about how we can take joy in, in our lives through the Lord and in his creation, the things that he's created and the way that he's created things for our, our enjoyment and for his glory. And so he talks about that in here, but it also ties in very well to what we'll be going over today, which is remembering. So primarily all of our class today is going to be over looking back and remembering the great things that God has done, and also looking back through the Word at the great thing that God has done, and, and really digging that up to figure out how we should be thankful in our lives. So before we get started, we're going to watch this clip real quick. What a God. What power. Why did he lavish such a universe upon a creature like us? Why isn't that overdoing it? What a universe. And what a God. God rejoices in the works of creation because they point us beyond themselves to God. God does mean for us to be stunned and awed by His creation, but not for its own sake. He means for us to say, if the work of God's hands is so abundant with power and wisdom and majesty and grandeur and beauty, what must God be like? What must the Creator be like if the flinging out of His fingers is so majestic and grand and great and glorious? In the end, it's not going to be the seas. It's not going to be the ocean. It's not going to be the deserts or the flowers or the mountains. It's not going to be the grand galaxies. It's going to be God Himself that satisfies the soul. Nothing short of God will do. The infinite expanses of the galaxies will not satisfy my longing for grandeur. Only the Maker Himself. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you, you, you are an amazing and mighty God. Your very creation just points to your glory, Lord. We just thank you the, for the fact that you allow us to have your creation, and that it can, it can please us, but more importantly, that it pushes us towards you, and that we can see your creation, we can see the beauty of it, we can see the majesty of it, we can see how great it is, and know that it comes from your hand. If it comes from your hand, how much greater is your hand, Lord? 
We just pray that we would continually focus on that, continually focus on the great things that you have done in our past, in the past of your people, and just uh, be able to focus on that to, to help get us through some of these difficult days that we seem to be going through, Lord. It's your name that we do pray. Amen. So I was going to make comments on that video, but I don't think there's really comments needed for that video. I don't think you could, you know, expound on a Piper sermon and really get anything more out of it. You're just kind of taking away from it if you try to. So we're just going to get into the class. So how good is your memory? How often do you think back on things that have happened in your life with awe for the Lord? Or how often do you look back with pain in your mind to past trials or struggles? Do you look back at who you were with that pain and shame for who you once were? Or do you look back at that same life of pain and shame and sit in awestruck wonder of a mighty God who saved you out of that life? Like Piper just said in that clip, we often look around us at a world amazed at what God or what a mighty God our God is. But at the same time, a reflecting reflection of the past, we often let that slip by in our lives and often forget the beauty of the creation and might of the creator. So what we do is we often want to remember those things. I think of like the Grand Canyon. I've never been to the Grand Canyon. But I think of people that, that come back from the Grand Canyon and they tell you about the Grand Canyon, how amazing the Grand Canyon is and how small they felt standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon and all these great things about the Grand Canyon. But if you talk to them a month from then, they'll barely remember a lot of the details that they told you right up front. That's what our memory often does. Today what we're going to do is we're going to be looking at remembering the Lord to help us have a greater thanksgiving in our lives, to keep us from grumbling, one of the really important things to do, because the theme of this class up to this point has been one of the reasons that we grumble and we complain so much is because we're so inward focused. But once we tear ourselves out of that inward focused lifestyle, we start focusing on what we should be, which is the Lord. No matter what trial, struggle, no matter what we're going through on a daily basis, if our eyes are on the Lord continually, there's no room for grumbling and complaining. When we realize what the Lord has done for us up to this point, what the Lord is continually doing for us, the fact that we don't deserve a single breath that we take, when we focus on that in our lives, the things that we're complaining about are nothing. So what we're going to do today is, is go through looking back to look up. The first thing we're going to go over in your notes there is having a diligent memory. So that's a diligent memory. Remembering the great things that God has done sounds like an easy task to take on. We have the Word, so we, we can constantly be in, the, be in the Word to remind us of the great things that God has done for his people in the past, and we have our own memory to remind us of the great things that he has done in our own lives. However, remembering is not as easy as we would like for it to be. Quite often our memories fade and how we remember things is altered drastically. I'm sure a lot of us have seen, have seen shows or like documentaries. Me and Jess absolutely love watching documentaries. There's one documentary that we watched that was kind of talking about the brain. And one of the things about the brain is like whenever you um, have a witness to a crime, quite often the memory that the witness has to that crime, even minutes after the crime happens, is drastically different from what actually happened at the crime. 
you can get enough out of it to really understand what's going on in the crime scene and things like that. However, when you get to like the real details, like the color of the shirt or where they were standing or who they were talking to or what they were saying, even these like kind of smaller details, when you get really down into it, changes minutes after it happens. So what we often do, like I said, is, is quite often our memories fade in, with how we remember things. We also tend to have a memory that does not focus on the positives. And it actually likes to magnify the negatives in the past. When we run into trials and struggles in our lives, it's easy for us to reflect back on past trials and struggles and focus on them rather than to look back at the blessings God has done for us in our lives, even in the trials. The result of forgetting God's blessing and often recalling our own trials is a life of constant worry, constant struggle, and constant grumbling. When all we do is look back at the negative things that have happened and we focus on those trials, we focus on um, just the different struggles that we've dealt with in our lives, our minds are going to gravitate towards complaining about those trials and those struggles. But what we often forget is we're, we're looking back at the trials and the struggles quite often, which means that we've made it through the trials and the struggles and we're intact enough to look back at the trials and the struggles. So we're forgetting the blessing of being able to make it through these trials and struggles. All we're doing is focusing on what was happening in it. We walk around kind of like Eeyore. We constantly, we're constantly going through life doing the very bare minimum and always waiting for that failure to come. I have to admit that like one of my favorite characters, my, my daughters will tell you this, one of my favorite characters in Winnie the Pooh is Eeyore. I don't know why. I have no idea. But Eeyore is by far one of my favorite characters. However, I'm not a fan of Eeyore's in real life. In fact, I would, I would like to admit that quite often, I'm the hiring manager at the, the building that I work at, and so whenever someone comes in for an interview, quite often I will let them know that Eeyore's are not exactly welcome in the building. I don't want to hire somebody that's going to be constantly complaining about the things going on around them, constantly looking for the next wrong thing to happen. That's not how we should also live as Christians. We're not constantly just preparing. We're, I take that back. We should be preparing for the next trial to come along, but the way that we prepare for the next trial to come along is going to be different from grumbling and complaining about that next trial coming along. The way that we prepare for the next trial to come along is still focusing on the grace and goodness of God. We do that in the good times just as much as we do that in the bad times. I think I mentioned in this class already that how we prepare while we're on the mountaintops will drastically change how we go through the valleys. If we are constantly practicing our spiritual disciplines, practicing being thankful, practicing being grateful for the things around us on the mountaintops, once we hit that valley, it's going to be kind of a muscle memory. It's, going to, it's not going to be easy. You're going to be going through the trials and the struggles, but going through those trials and struggles are a lot easier when you already have that practice down of being thankful and grateful and in the spiritual disciplines. Remembering is important. It is so important that God actually instructs us to remember and warns us against forgetting. 
We see in 1 Corinthians 16, 11 through 13, seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of Israel, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. We also see through the entire, almost the entire book of Jude that it is a constant reminder of the things that God has done. What Jude is doing is calling those reading Jude to look back at what God has done. Even in the trials you're going through, look back at what God has done and be grateful for that. When you read through it, it's one example of the past after another, reminding the reader that God is active and that God is good. Another example that I have down here, and I'm actually going to kind of go over it because we're going to go really in-depth here in a minute on it, is Habakkuk. Habakkuk 3 especially. When you read through Habakkuk 3, there's a lot of reminders. And like I said, we're going to go deep into that here in a second about the great things God has done in the past. So what is the point of remembering? Why should we as believers care about remembering the past? And how does that help us stay thankful in the present? Crow in his book says, Christians must draw from the well of their memories and histories to find refreshment in God's faithfulness. If we do not have a well of memory to draw from, so we're constantly building up that well of memory, we can go back to that well of memory to draw from constantly, whether it be through the word or through our own lives. If we do not have a well of memory to draw from, then the negative aspects of life, of the life going on around us, will and are almost too daunting to make it through. When we see this culture slipping deeper and deeper into sin of the flesh, when we see violence filling our streets and country around the world, countries around the world, when floods, earthquakes, and famines ravish the world, that last one's just in within the last week. When floods, earthquakes, and famines ravish the world, how do we look to tomorrow as hopeful? And with that, how do we even look to the rest of the future as hopeful? We do so by looking to the past. We push forward with gladness and gratefulness by looking back at what God has already done. So when we look at the book of Habakkuk, and if you have your Bible you can open up to it. I'm going to go through it pretty quick, but if you want to look at it. So we look at the book of Habakkuk as an example. If you were in my small group last year, I expect you to know everything that I'm about to say, because that's what we went over the last part of uh, last year. So chapters one and two of Habakkuk are really depressing and sad to read through. What we see in those first two chapters is the culture around Habakkuk is crumbling. There's violence everywhere. The righteous are surrounded by the wicked. The law, the law is paralyzed. And that's just in the first four verses of Habakkuk. What we see, if you're not familiar with Habakkuk, what Habakkuk is, is it's set up as a back and forth between the prophet Habakkuk and God. And so the prophet will throw up a complaint to God. At the very beginning, it's a very grumbling and almost angry complaint that he throws up to God about the culture going on around him. And then God sends back a rebuttal, almost. He sends back the information that Habakkuk's looking for, but doesn't necessarily want. 
and then Habakkuk will throw up another one, God throws back another one, and it just goes back and forth all the way through Habakkuk. So then, after we get through that violence, the, the righteous are surrounded, the law is paralyzed, then we move on, and we find out that God is going to use the most fierce nation known at that time to punish his people for the things that they've already been doing. He's going to punish them so much that everything will be destroyed and nothing in their lives will ever be the same. That's the response that Habakkuk gets. And then there's a brief moment also, as we read through that, of God reminding and reminding us, reminding the reader, but also reminding Habakkuk that he is in complete control and that no evil goes unpunished. So we have a, a section in Habakkuk of woes. So he keeps saying woe uh, to the Chaldeans, woe to the Chaldeans. He keeps going over these woes. And what he's doing is he's letting Habakkuk know that he knows everything that the Chaldeans are doing, the Babylonians are doing, and that they're going to be punished specifically for specific sins that this nation is doing. Then finally, in chapter 3, there is a, a, just a beautiful and great line spoken to the pre, or by the previously grumbling Habakkuk. We see in verse 2 of chapter 3, I have heard the report of you and your work, O Lord. Do I fear? In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. And then for 14 verses, Habakkuk explains what the Lord has done for his people up to that point. So Habakkuk has been told that the nation's going to be taken captive. Not only is the nation going to be taken captive, everything is going to be destroyed. Not only is everything going to be destroyed, but it's going to be destroyed so much that crops aren't going to grow, figs aren't going to grow, nothing's going to be salvageable. This is like a wholesale destruction. Even those that aren't taken into captivity are going to suffer. That's what Habakkuk's told. And his response to that, after some loving and gentle rebuke by the Lord, is to come to realization that God has done great things. He's reminded of all the great things he's done, that the Lord has done for his people in the past. And he reflects on those things. And at the end of Habakkuk, we read, again, just a beautiful passage. In Habakkuk 3, 17 through 18, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Reflecting on God's work invites us to give him thanks. The bigger God becomes in our eyes, the smaller the problems become. That's what we see Habakkuk doing there. At the beginning, all he's focused on is the violence going on around him. All he's focused on is his culture disintegrating. All he's focused on is that the righteous seem to be always underfoot and that the, the evil are always triumphing. That's what he's focused on through really the first half of Habakkuk. And by the end of it, after a reminder of who God truly is, after reflecting back on what God has truly done, 
he comes out on the other end saying, I will rejoice in the Lord. Though I have no food on the table, no fig, not only that, there's no sheep in the, in the stall. He says, though the flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. I want to take a step back too because that, that sounds like he's saying there's going to be like no food. And he's right. There's going to be no sheep to eat. There's going to be no livestock, nothing like that. But that also means that the way that they worship the Lord, the way that the Lord's commanded them to worship, is going to be shut down. Because how, how, how do they worship? They have sacrifices. They sacrifice sheep. They sacrifice their livestock to the Lord. What Habakkuk is realizing is that all the food's going to be taken away. His culture's going to be destroyed. Most of his people are going to be taken to Babylon as slaves. Like he, he knows these things. But he sneaks in this one little passage here to also let the reader know that even the way that they worship is going to be taken down for a while because of their sin. But he still chooses to rejoice in the Lord. He still knows he can take joy in the Lord because of who the Lord is, not because of what's going on around him. So what kind of remembering do we do? By remembering, we tell ourselves what is true and what happened in the past so that we can massage the truth into our hearts. Paul uses memory to remind his readers of unity in Christ. We see that in Ephesians 2, 12 through 13. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, Christ Jesus, who was once far off, have been who was once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. By recalling his memory, Paul forces us to remember who we once were before Christ's sacrifice. If we remember that, how can we be anything but thankful? I can say everybody in this room, I can't say everybody in this room, but I'm, I'm guessing a majority of the people in this room, before the new covenant, before Christ's coming, would have been separated from God's chosen people. We would have been Gentiles. Not only would we have been separated, but we wouldn't even been witnessed to. We wouldn't have been looked at, rightfully, because that's what God set up. But when we look back at that, and we look back at all the great things God has done for his people all the way up to Christ, and then we see what he did in Christ, that should make us thankful. That's the kind of remembering that we need to do. Not looking back at our trials, not looking back at our struggles, although we can look back at those with joy that the Lord has strengthened us through those. But we don't look back at those things. We look back at Christ. We look back at the sacrifice that Christ made. We look at the history of the Old Testament all the way up to Christ and realize every single story, every single event that we have in our word leads up to Christ and leads up to salvation for us, which is monumental. Like I said, we, how can you be anything but thankful when you look back in that way, when you remember in that way? We also have example through Moses. Moses warned God's people of the dangers of forgetting as well. And we see in Deuteronomy 4, 9, only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest you 
unless they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. Now here's a little group participation. Now let's, let's reflect back from our memory, what we know about the word, to the history of God's chosen people. Did they always remember? No, they did not. And what happens, or what happened when they didn't reflect on God's greatness and didn't remember what God did for them? Habakkuk happened. They turned their back on the Lord because they, they didn't, as Moses is saying here at the end of the verse, they didn't teach their children. They didn't teach their, so their children could teach their children. They didn't keep that line going. They didn't choose to remember the great things that God had done. What they did was they chose to look around the culture and feel like the, the wicked surround the righteous instead of fighting back against that with our memory of the Lord, they chose just to buy into it. And they chose to become just as wicked as the world around them. Remembering stirs our affections, but not just with sentimental, sentimentality or nostalgia. It recalibrates us around some key truths, lessons, conversations, or reality worthy of holding on to. So just remembering, we're not just looking back just to have a warm fuzzy. We're not looking back just to smile about, you know, a great truth that our grandparents told us or something like that, although that's, that's good to do too. That's not why we're looking back ultimately. What we're looking back to is to recalibrate our mind onto something that really is worth something to remember about, really to be thankful about. So we're gonna, I'm, I'm going to need some group participation in this next section. So the next section I've titled, What Do You Remember? It's important, or the importance of remembering correctly is very important. So let me ask you this. I've done this in a few classes. I've done it, actually, I think in every one that I've taught by myself. It's actually kind of entertaining for me to do because I fall into these traps too. But what we're going to do is we're going to go over some, some things that we know from the Bible. I want to make sure that we actually know them from the Bible. Because what we often do, I, I did this in... Uh, I taught a class on, uh, on like the roles of the home and the family and things like that. And one of the classes we went over was like family devotions. And I talked about the importance of us as fathers, if we're leading the family devotions, we need to make sure that we study what we're teaching before we teach it. Because we can often think that we know what we're teaching and get some important facts wrong in it based off of just common misconceptions about the text or about the story and things like that. So it's important, this is a plug to make sure you're constantly in the Word. Every day you should be reading your Bible, you should be studying, you should be meditating on it. So let me ask you this. How many of each kind of animal did Noah take on the ark? Bryce is not allowed to answer. I have a two. Mm -hmm. So it does, the first mention of it, it does say two of every kind. But then whenever you go a little bit further into it, we see in Genesis 7, verses 2 through 3, take with you seven pairs of clean animals, the male and his mate, and pairs of the animals that are not clean, the male and the mate, 
and seven pairs of birds of the heavens also, male and female, keep their offspring alive on the face of all the earth. So what we see is that Noah's called to bring two of all the unclean animals on, but seven of the clean. So what about this one? When did it start raining during the flood? How long after the door was shut? Are we saying right when the door? Because most people would say that it happened, the door shut, it rains. The, the water start coming up from the ground, all that. It didn't happen for another seven days. They're all in the ark, door shut, seven days, then it starts raining. So what about how was Elijah taken up into heaven? Look at that. In a whirlwind, many would say by a chariot of fire. That's what we think of, because when you think of the two things that happened at the time, a chariot of fire or a whirlwind, you kind of want them to be taken up by a chariot of fire. That'd be pretty cool. But what we see in 2 Kings 2, 11 through 12, is it says, And as they, sat, or as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. So the beginning of this section was, what do you remember? Are you constantly in the word to know what you know? I mean, I've done this so many times that I know the answer to this, but if I didn't do this in three separate classes, I would probably say two of every animal. I would probably say, the door was closed and it started raining. But it's important for us to actually study the word and know the things that God has done. It's important for us to be continually reminding ourselves of that through the word. We have an amazing blessing in our country that we can go to the vineyard and we can go to Walmart, we can go to Target and pick up any copy of the Bible that we want. I have a shelf of different versions of the Bible at home. Like, we're blessed in this country. But like we mentioned a few weeks ago, that Spurgeon quote of many of us have enough dust on our Bible to write damnation with our fingertip. We're not constantly in the, I'm not saying, I'm, I shouldn't say we are not, like it's a universal thing. I know many of you in this, this room are constantly in your word. Uh, you're a huge blessing to this church and everyone around you. Some of us are not constantly in the Word to remind ourselves of this on a daily basis. We need to be in the Word to know what we say we know. And that also allows us to look back and remind ourselves of the great things that God has done. Our last point here is remember your blessings. We often look to reserve the right to remember blessings from our past on just a specific day, and that's Thanksgiving. But why do we do that? It's almost as if we feel that we need to save all that, that, those blessings and that remembering and that memory for just our, our Thanksgiving service. It's like, oh, that's a good thing that happened. I'm just gonna, gonna hold that in my chest a little bit and then I'll have something to say at Thanksgiving. 
But really, when we think of the ways in which the Lord has blessed us in our recent and distant past, it's hard to stay grumpy. We can't be Eeyore if we're constantly looking at how amazing God has blessed us in our lives. So that begs the question. I want you to think of this. I, I was going to do a little exercise, but I don't know if we'll have time. So you can write this on, on that back page on the uh, homework section of the thing. I want you to write down what ways has God been good in the past year? I'm going to add one section to it, and the reason I'm adding one question to that is in his book, he mentions this. When we look back on trials, we often look at it as it's just God strengthening us or, um, you know, he's teaching us something through that. But I want you to look specifically at what idols have your trials stripped away from you in your life. So those two questions are what ways... Has God, made, or has God been good to you in the past year? And what idols have your trials stripped away from your, your life? It's important to remember the great things God has done in his word. It's one of the reasons that he's actually revealed the word to us. However, it's also important to remember what he has done in our lives as well when we're only looking back on the things of like the Old Testament, when we only look back at the Exodus and how amazing and powerful that was, when we only look back at the, the manna that he brought, if we only look back at Christ, which we should always be looking back at Christ, but if that's all that we do, it becomes, well, he did that for them. He did that for his people. He did that for Christians, but it, it kind of detaches us from those events. What we also need to be doing is constantly looking back at our lives and seeing the blessings that the Lord has given us, small or big, because even small blessings are not ones that we deserve. I've mentioned this almost every class, but every breath we take is a small blessing. The only reason we get to take that breath is because the Lord in that moment has decided to sustain our lives. He's not taking it from us because we don't deserve it. He's just sustaining it. So every small blessing is something we can look back on and be thankful for to the Lord. Every small blessing allows us, or should, allow us to refocus our lives away from grumbling and complaining, away from looking at what we want in our lives, what we think we deserve in our lives. Whenever we look back at our blessings and realize that we're, we're getting these blessings apart from us, has nothing to do with us, that really reorient, reorient you. No longer can you look back and be grumpy at the color of the carpet in the church. We can't be grumpy about the color of the seats in the church. When we look back and we realize that all it takes is one car to cross a double yellow line to send us to glory, and the Lord chose not to let that happen today, how can we be grumpy about the color of the carpet? So at the end of here, we don't have time for it. Actually, we do have time for it. We're going to take three minutes, just a quick three minutes. And the three minutes go over those two questions. How has the Lord blessed you in the past year? And what idols, has the Lord, or what idols have been removed by um, a trial in your life? 
We're going to do three minutes. That'll give us a minute or two to pass the mic around if you want to share those. Don't feel obligated. This is, these are kind of personal. But if you feel comfortable enough to say those, we'll do that. So three minutes. One minute. All right, is this on? Okay. All right. So is anybody brave enough to present theirs? Doesn't have to be long. We actually don't even have that long of time, so. So uh, just this week, so it's a recent one, um, our son is on this like really expensive medicine. And once again, our insurance decided, eh, I don't think he really needs it, <laughs> but he does. So we had to fight again for the medicine and um, it immediately caused a panic and a fear in me. And Brad was like, why, why? Like God has provided. He continually provides for us. So, you know, I just had to put it in the Lord's hand, but definitely an idol that it stripped from me 
because he did provide, by the way, um, was just a sense of control, uh, a sense of putting my hope in the wrong thing. Um, the medicine has sustained him, but it's through the Lord. <laughs> and then even I found myself thinking, well, it's because I, I made all these phone calls and I fought and I fought and I got it for him. But I'm like, no, that was the Lord. The Lord graciously provided. So lots of idols stripped from me. <laughs>